G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts and Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. But today I'd like to introduce you to Shannon Hill, who is doing a PhD in Rehabilitation Science under the supervision of Dr. Heidi Cram. Welcome to Grad Chat, Shannon. Great. Thanks so much for having me today. Now, I know we're in week two of January 2020, but I hope you had a good break yourself as we all need a good break. Yes, <laughs> I hope you had a great break as well. I did. And I know I didn't mention it last week, but of course, I've just come back from Australia. And uh, as we know, the, the fires over there are not too good. So who says this, you know, climate change isn't yeah. affecting us? So <laughs> just have to look at Australia right now, burning up. It's always a hot country, but... This is a bit ridiculous, gone a bit too far. Mm -hmm. But uh, the nice thing is my family is all safe, so I'm I'm happy about that. And that's all that matters. Very true, very true. Now, before we go into your research, uh, I realised just before Christmas, I think it was, wasn't it, you have been doing a few media interviews already, specifically with the CBC. So can you tell us what brought that about and how did you actually feel about doing it? I mean, I guess it's... It was a bit of a pilot, a bit of a test before today. Yeah, so actually in the middle of November, I had one of the producers from CBC Ottawa Mm -hmm. contact me. And through that conversation, I asked them, so how did you find me and find out about my research? And they actually said that my recruitment poster was in a community hockey arena in Ottawa. And the producer who had reached out was grew up in a military family. So she had a connection and thought, you know, I would love to speak with her and get her on the air and learn more about her research. And then from that CBC interview... Uh, other CBC radio uh, channels picked up on it and then contacted me so I also did one with CBC Quebec and then CBC Ontario Morning so it was certainly nothing that I've done before so (laughs) So about chucking the deep end yeah yeah um (laughs) nice live shows (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it was um a great opportunity certainly was very nervous but great opportunity and definitely was great in terms of getting pickup for my research right. and getting awareness out about the, the study that I'm doing. Well, it's interesting, actually, because you said it was just purely from a poster that you stuck up to try and get people to be part of your research. Mm-hmm. Just goes to show the power of those posters, even at a, whether it's minor hockey or, or major hockey, people do do see it. And it's amazing the connections that are there that you never know who's going to see what you put out. Yeah, and I think especially in today's age, a lot of things are online and digital, so we don't necessarily think of community bulletin boards or that people are looking at them, but that just shows you that you know people are out there when they're watching their children's hockey games looking at the community bulletin board. It's it's interesting too because 
that one of the things I always think about research when I ask some students, you know, why did you get into that? And it's normally there's a personal connection to it in the first place. And obviously the same is happening with advertising and things. Mm-hmm. If, if you can find that personal connection that people may have, that can certainly help you with everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clearly when you've done all these now, you're going to be a pro. <laughs> I hope you know, so. You're considered a pro now, so no pressure. <laughs> but let's see how we go. Just to let everyone know, because you're probably thinking, well, what is your research? So Shannon's topic is understanding and supporting the school transitions of military-connected adolescents. Mm -hmm. And so, as she mentioned, the the person in Ottawa that saw the poster had a military connection. And so this is where where it all comes to be. So, So with that topic, can you just give us a little bit of an overview first before we get into the bit of, you know, the nitty gritty of what you're doing? Sure. So my study is a two phased qualitative study. So Mm -hmm. the first phase, which I'm currently in, is looking to understand the school transition experiences of military connected adolescents in Ontario. Okay. And then the second phase, which will come later, I'm hoping with that phase to be able to provide recommendations that could be used to inform both policy and practice related to the school transitions of military-connected adolescents across Canada. Across Canada, so yeah. more on a federal mm-hmm. as opposed to just provincial. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's important because I've, I've noticed before when it comes to the military, there's things that happen federally and then things that happen provincially, and that must be quite confusing for military families because where, where do they sit in all of this? Mm-hmm. Instead of just thinking of one, they've got to... Th- figure out two parts of the puzzle Mm -hmm. which is not easy so I I guess then the obvious question is what actually got you interested in doing this particular topic do you have someone in the military yourself that you know yeah so that's actually sort of a two-pronged answer so the first one is I grew up in a military family okay so my father served 25 years in the Canadian Armed Forces good one so I certainly have that firsthand experience growing up moving transitioning into new schools but I never thought it was something that was going to impact my graduate work. Right. And it was actually when I was completing my Bachelor of Education degree here at Queen's. During the Bachelor of Education program, you have to do what's called an alternative practicum. Okay. So that's a teaching practicum that doesn't necessarily have to be in the traditional classroom. Right. So... Some of my classmates went to the Vancouver Aquarium and did the educational programming oh, there. Oh, that right? Yeah, so oh, that thing- would have been pretty cool. Yeah, so <laughs> things like that. And so for my alternative practicum, at the time, my best friend was living in Germany. She's right. American. Her father served in the American military. And I thought, how cool would it be to go overseas to the military base and teach in the school that's on the military base? Okay. So in going through that, we had to do an assignment that was linked. And so I got interested in what the research said about how military-connected students are supported in schools. Right. And at that time, it was 2015, there was virtually nothing that had been done in Canada. Oh, is that right? All the research was American-based. And I just thought to myself, like, mm-hmm. how how has nothing, and I shouldn't say nothing, there was maybe about two or three studies that I had came across. Right, but quite small, But really, like, how is this body of literature not developed in Canada like it is right. in the U.S.? And so it was sort of at that moment I had this aha moment, like, wouldn't it be great if I could combine <laughs> my personal experience yes. with my educational training and knowledge and combine them and pursue graduate studies. So that's, that's, that's awesome. how it unfolded for me. And 
Well, it seems like a perfect fit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and I know you're doing research right now, but does that mean down the track you would want to go back into the school system or are you looking, continuing on, on on the research side of things? Because did you get much practicum outside of finishing your bachelor? No, or did you so go straight I in? went straight into my master's right. because of the lack of research and so luckily that body of literature within Canada has started to take traction and and be advanced but because it's a field that's up and coming and I'm one of the sort of four runners in it which is nice uh, yep um, nice to be up front I think that is where I will continue yeah I'm sure there's lots to do it so I guess one of the first questions that came to my mind was, because you're talking about adolescence, mm-hmm. but why did you choose adolescence, i.e., I'm assuming high school yes. age, as opposed to elementary school? Because I, I guess people have to look at who can adapt the easiest. Is it elementary school age or is it high school age? And I know there's lots of differences between the mm-hmm. two. So what made you choose adolescence? Yeah, so a couple of reasons for why I chose adolescence. The first one is we don't really have a lot of knowledge or understanding of what the adolescent experience looks like okay. when relocating. Going through puberty and all those yep. changes. Um, we do know from the American literature, again, which is what I primarily draw right. on, um, that relocating and transitioning into new schools can be much more stressful for adolescents. Okay. Um, And that's just, you know, if we're looking at it, I'll use Ontario as an example. There are, to graduate high school in Ontario, you have to have, of course, your mandatory credits, but 40 hours of community service and the grade 10 literacy test have to be completed. All right. Now, think of a situation where you have an adolescent who's living in a military family, moves to Ontario in grade 12 from BC. Uh, Good point. Think of those challenges. So, Mm -hmm. you know, potentially their graduation and post-secondary opportunities could be put at risk because of that. Right. And we know, like, even socially, because peer relationships are very vital to adolescents and their development, it can be really stressful for adolescents to move and have to rebuild those relationships and there was one study done in Canada that sort of looked at the adolescent versus the younger children and it found that oftentimes while the younger children were stressed out before the move and the transition into the new school as soon as they got to that new environment they're okay they're okay and they can adapt as long as they had a mate somewhere along the line yep um, okay. Whereas when we look at the adolescent group, there's much, there's a lot of different factors. Um, it's, it's trying to get themselves into a group and things, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Not easy. No. Okay, well, that was a good reason to doing adolescence. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not to say that, that research shouldn't be done on the younger children. Definitely both groups within the education sector and within Canada, we have a very limited understanding. Um, but for those reasons, I thought at this point. So can I ask a qu- another question mm-hmm. from that? Because at times I can be a bit naive about how schooling works yep. here in Canada, although I've been here 13 years now. You think I'd know. Yeah. <laughs> but with the with these kids uh, in these military families, mm-hmm. you talked about, you know, they've moved, say, from BC to Ontario. Mm-hmm. But what happens, what happens to them if their last years are overseas, say in Germany or something? I mean, what school system are they under there so overseas 
I have to think of the number. I want to say that the Department of National Defense in Canada, I think there's maybe two or three schools that are stationed overseas that have, I believe, the Ontario curriculum. Okay. Don't quote me on that, (laughs) but I believe it's the Ontario curriculum um, so that if those families are stationed over there, they still, yes, but there are also a lot of schools that have the American curriculum that are funded by the American. Does that help though? It would definitely be different. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't have too much knowledge about the overseas schools just because within Canada, like I mentioned, I think there's only two or three that are funded, Right. but that's an area Again, again, that something needs else. Further ex- to exploration, yeah. Yeah, because it's one thing that, you know, whoever's in the military has to be where they are. And of course, they want their family yes. with them. But yes, it is, it is quite could be quite stressful for those kids mm-hmm. for those reasons. Not, not even just making friends, but the curriculum, if yeah. they keep swapping. Because normally, what's a posting? Two or three years? Yeah, it, it, it all depends on the members you know, occupation that they have in the armed forces, but typically every two to three years. And that for my experience that we were every three years, almost like clockwork, right? um, that we were relocated. It's almost like maybe if if you've got kids that are coming to the end, that they're allowed to stay a bit longer in one place to finish their high school, to give them the best chance Mm -hmm. moving forward. So actually for, in my experience, I relocated to Trenton from... New Brunswick in grade seven. Right. Um, And so that would mean typically within grade 10 probably would have gotten posted. And my dad essentially took an early retirement. Uh, So he didn't have to. So that I wouldn't have my high school interrupted, which. That's quite drastic, though, because, I mean, your father could have potentially gone on longer. Yep. It's almost like, can you not be asked for special compensation to stay or your kids are finished mm-hmm. that year. Anyway, I guess that's down the track with some yep. of the things you're going to yeah. be able to show them. Yes. So this comes to my next question then is, what school-based challenges can military-connected children face when they are required to relocate, relocate frequently? Mm-hmm. So I touched on a couple some of them. them. Yes. But when we look at the literature, it breaks... Uh, breaks it down sort of into three sections. So the okay. first one being the social. Yes. So of course, and this is for any family that has to relocate, the children are required to leave behind old peer networks and then develop new mm-hmm. friendships and relationships in the new location. And like I mentioned, this can be particularly stressful for the adolescent group because right. we know the importance that... So it's kind of like 14, 15 on, isn't it? Yeah, that relationships can play in their identity and their development. And then we look at sort of the second one, which is academics, often relocating across jurisdictional boundaries, children can face curricular gaps or redundancies. So they might, you know, when they move to a new location, they might be behind a material or that material might be repeated. Right. um, Just depending on where they're moving to or where they... Which means then they probably miss something else. Yeah, and so and so and then depending on when a relocation happens, because it's not always at the end of the school year, a family might relocate in uh, the middle of a year. Okay. The hmm. academic 
you know, progression in grades might become impacted. Right. And then the last one looking at extracurricular activities. So again, depending on when that move happens, participation in extracurriculars like sports and clubs might you know, that student might miss out on that. Right. And that, um, and then when we think of military connected students who have special needs, mm-hmm. all of those challenges can be compounded because like I mentioned in Canada, education is provincial. So every province mm-hmm. and territory has their own education system. So if families are moving to a different province, that's a whole new special education system that they have to navigate and sort of figure out is there any is there any help though with those these transitions i mean what i mean the military is what it is mm-hmm. and we need the military yes <laughs> for lots of good reasons but when we're constantly moving these particularly military personnel who have families mm-hmm. when it's one thing just moving your husband or wife or partner it's another thing moving kids Sounds, it seems, though, that it's a really important one. If, mm-hmm. if you want your military personnel to be able to concentrate on their job and not worry about their family, it, common sense says, what can we do to support the family? Right. And actually, in 2017, the government of Canada released a new defence policy okay. entitled Strong, Secure, Engaged. And within that policy document, military families were recognised as the strength behind the uniform. And it was acknowledged that military families deserve to have access to supports and services that can help mitigate the challenges that can be associated with living in a military family, because we know that they share in those challenges and potential stressors. So really, there's been a push to really not only just focus on the member, but focus on the family and ensuring that the family members also have support. That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm pleased to hear yes. that. <laughs> That's a plus. Yeah, big tick. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, what I know you're doing like qualitative work, mm-hmm. but what are you hoping your research would lead to? Because it's it's a huge project. Yeah. All right. And I know you only look at adolescents, and you could look at elementary later. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are you hoping to do right now? What what was what do you think right now you could be doing? And I know it may change as you go yeah. along, but what what do you think right now? Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, just previously about this emphasis being placed on supporting families, mm-hmm. it's really important that when offering you know, responsive supports and services that will meet the needs of families, we first understand what their experiences are. Right. And Which is why qualitative studies And within in. Canada, there's been advancements made within the healthcare sector, yes, and yes. we're starting to understand the experiences that families are having accessing and utilizing the healthcare system. colleagues are working on that. Yeah, <laughs> Ashley Williams, yeah. Um, she's focusing more so on, on veterans. Yes. But um, definitely families as well. There's been work done on families. But again, within the education sector, really, we have a very limited understanding of what these experiences are looking Mm -hmm. like. What is it like to pack up, move, relocate, and transition your children or adolescents into a new school? And so that's where my research will come into play and be valuable because it will provide the first... To give that stats, this is what's happening. The first in-depth look at that experience. And um, I'd like to mention that in phase one, I'm not only interviewing adolescents, but I'm also interviewing the parents. Oh, that's good. As well as school personnel to really get 
that wholesome picture. picture. So ideally with, you know, having gaining insight into what that experience looks like and then hopefully providing recommendations. Right. My research hopefully um, will be picked up by policymakers and decision makers and can be used to help inform future policy and practice. I guess I should have asked this earlier. What kind of questions are you asking each of those groups? Yeah, so... Other than... How do you find it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you happy? Yeah. Um, so with the adolescent and parent group, I'm really, like you said, trying to look at, so what was your experience like? But through that sort of, what are some of the social challenges maybe that you faced? How were things academically? Right, those three fa- the areas yeah. that you looked at. Um, but then also, what are some of the strategies that you have used or implemented to help with that transition um you know maybe are there personal strategies maybe how has mum or dad or you know your parent guardian helped you are there any community resources Mm -hmm. that you've accessed um and then also looking at sort of in their opinion how does the experience of military children or families differ from the civilian family right um experience so that's sort of what i'm looking at from the adolescent and parent perspective and then for the school personnel really looking at um, how do they currently support military connected students when they transition into their school Um, do they have any collaborations with community organizations right perhaps like the mfrc's right Um, and really what types of information they think would be useful for schools and and school personnel to know about military families. Right. Because one of the things that can be challenging is you can't walk into a classroom and say, oh, that student's from a military family, right? Right. And oftentimes, really, they're identified because they tell the teacher, oh, you know, I live in a military family, or parent-teacher interview night, the parent discloses... Right. I'm serving in the military or my spouse is serving in the military. So really, unless it's sort of self-disclosed, that teacher might not even be aware. Except perhaps if they come midterm or something. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's interesting, though, because I would imagine then, as, as you mentioned earlier, one of the things is, you know, can policy be put in place to help these children adapt better to the new environment that they've been put in? Mm at the start of a new year each time. So everyone's on the same thing because there's a lot of new new kids come into a, a class mm-hmm. at the beginning of a year, not so many halfway through a year, right. which is that makes it even harder to make new friends because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, who's this new kid on the block yeah. kind of thing. And I'd like to think everyone would bring them in under their wing, but it doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. So there's that part. Are you still looking for subjects? So oh, yes. To, so yeah, to speak? I'm, yeah, I'm... So how do people, if, if they haven't seen one of your posters, yeah. <laughs> how do they, because, um, I mean, there's lots of military here in Kingston. Yeah. Uh, how do they find out or how do they sign up or contact you if they're interested in being a part of this? Yeah. Um, so if no one has seen my recruitment poster, they are more than welcome to send me an email. Am I allowed to say? Yes. Okay. Um, so my email is 11SLH10. That's a big one. Yeah. We'll put that on the website yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> At Queen's U. And they are able to um, just, they can send me an email and just say that they're interested in participating. And then I can go through sort of the eligibility criteria. Right. Um, right. Because like I said, I am only looking. For a certain age um, group. In, and in Ontario 
Ontario for phase right, one. Right, right, right. Because we do know now that 40% of Canadian military families reside in Ontario. It is one of the um, biggest population. Yeah, so thanks provinces. to the work of Linda Manser at Military Family Services, we didn't really have those statistics before. Oh, okay. And that's normally a question I get. Why did you focus on Ontario? And so re- because a large proportion of families are Which here. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So if they can't remember your email, <laughs> can they just go through Rehabilitation Science um, Office or probably don't want everyone going through that? Yeah, I'm not sure... I'd have to check if my recruitment poster is posted up there. Um, we but, can certainly put the poster as well on our website too, yeah, so people can see um, that. It's also like on other social media, like my Twitter page will have it. They can reach out okay. through Twitter and I can give all that information to you. Yeah. That's great. And what was the email again? L- 11-SLH-10. One one S L H one zero at queensu.ca. Okay. <laughs> so if you're out there, anyone who wants to uh, um, see if you're eligible to be part of this study, I, it's an, an important study mm-hmm. um, for our military personnel because uh, I'm sure they want to make sure, as we've mentioned, that their family are happy too wherever they're posted. Yep. And it's important for the country to make sure that our military families are, are happy and and their children have the best start possible yep. for their own careers. Absolutely. Now, you do some other things too, mm-hmm. and it always amazes me how much our grad students <laughs> can find time to do other things. <laughs> but you're currently the Director of Membership for the Student and Postdoc Engagement Committee of the Canadian Institute for Military and Veteran Health Research. Yes. What got you into that, other than the fact you you know about military stuff? Yeah, so Simver, like you mentioned, is the Canadian Institute for Military and Veteran Health Research, often referred to as Simber. Right. And it's actually located here on Queen's campus. Oh, is that right? Um, okay. Yeah, the office is uh, headed outside of Kingston. And SPEC, which is the committee that you mentioned, was developed, I'm not sure how long ago, um, but for to really help um, bring together and engage graduate students who mm-hmm. are in this field. So master's, okay. right. um, PhD, postdoctoral fellows. Right. And this past year really was, we're like, okay, we're going to get a formal committee together. Right. And so I applied. There was an application process um, and I applied and I got the, the job. got the director of membership. And so we're just sort of in the process of getting that formal committee up and running and working out the kinks and stuff. Right. But yeah, it's it's been great so far. And what are you hoping to do with that? Oh, so one of our responsibilities is really to foster, like I said, relationships and connections between graduate students. It's just to sort of collaborate on different projects and things, yeah, potentially. Yeah, br- and- bring awareness. Right. Um, and because Simber also hosts a lot of events themselves, mm-hmm. um, they have an annual conference. And so one of our jobs is um, sort of planning the student events right. at the annual Simber conference. Great. Um, so we'll be spending a lot of time this year. There's some individuals on the committee that's their specific job. Is to do that. Yeah, to help plan out the student events. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'll be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also on the board of directors for the Kingston Military Resource Centre, which you had talked about mm-hmm. anyway, um, and volunteer there as well. So I guess that helps as part of your studies too. The, you're in there seeing 
some of those resources that they're looking at? Yeah, so I actually I'm no longer on the board. I think it was in September. Or previously. In mm-hmm. September, but I was on the board for about a year. Um, and that was great experience being on the board and being in the centre, interacting with the military families, right, on a right. daily basis. Sometimes I find in research, you lose that human connection or lose mm-hmm. sight of that population that you're trying to help. Right. Um, and that's why I like becoming involved in things like SPEC or right. the MFRC, because it helps helps me sort of have that connection. And in... you've got to understand what's going on at the time. Absolutely. what you knew last year may have changed. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. that's good. So, Well, Shannon, you, you're keeping yourself busy. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I'm always amazed at the, the work that our students do and, and I'm sure people appreciate the mm-hmm. research that you are doing, particularly our military personnel, which we all have to thank a lot yes. for, for what yeah. they do to keep us all safe Mm -hmm. so thank you for being a part of that um being their backup so to speak (laughs) so that's really good and and best of luck with the rest of it and don't forget people if you do want to or if you would like to see if you're eligible for your kids and yourself to be interviewed by shannon and her team then uh, please send her an email and she'll give some more information Mm -hmm. to you on that so that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcast, or Stitcher. Just type in a Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Oh,